I would rather, I'd rather be a church that's wild and weird and the right kind of weird, like a Jesus kind of weird, but wild and free uh, and expressive. And uh, why I'm using the word expressive is because I can just guarantee you, I, I can promise you with all the sincerity in my heart that when you get to heaven, it's going to be wild. It's going to be expressive. I promise you won't be sitting in a row in a chair, you know, just clapping. And it, I promise you. And I, it's okay. I understand sometimes we're tired and things happen. But I'm just, I want to encourage you and say it's an expressive place. And um, we were just talking this morning and saying, you know, it doesn't matter how tired you are when you see him. Every fiber of your being responds. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you might not know what I'm talking about. And that's why I want to just encourage your heart today and say, you can have all the knowledge in the world about Jesus. But to taste and see, that's what will change your life. Because it's amazing. It's like the moment that you really experience Jesus. And I, the, the last week, the Lord's been really putting that word in my heart, experience. Because we go, no, it's not about the manifestations. It's not, and I go, I get you. We're not chasing that. But the, we've got to be careful that we, we, by not chasing manifestations, we throw out experience. And then all, we, all we're left with is knowledge. So we know about a God we haven't experienced. And I believe the Lord's going, no, actually, what, what father doesn't want his children to experience the heart of the father? He wants us to experience him. He wants us to taste and see. He wants us to touch and feel and experience. He wants, we were created with the ability to experience God because it's his great joy to do that. And so... It's important for us as the house and as the people of God to know that it's a privilege to enjoy God. And I just, I love, um, you know, the joy of the Lord is, is our strength. And when you think about that, you say, okay, so joy that's found in His presence actually strengthens me. And I love what Vanna said on Friday about we sing for joy. We dance for joy. It's like it's yours, but it's like you, gotta, you, got, you have the key. You just got to put it in the ignition and turn it. And it's like when we begin to sing for joy, dance for joy, shout for joy, suddenly we step into what he's given us, the joy of the Lord. And then I'm strengthened supernaturally in a way that, that's not natural, not, not earthly. And suddenly it's like, wow, I thought I needed you know, a three-week holiday. And then one moment in his presence and I'm like revived. And we're the people of God. We're not called to look like the world. We're not called to live that way. We're called to be strengthened in Him. And so I just feel like uh, the Lord's doing something over us as a family, as 24-7, where He's just lifting off the veil. He's lifting off anything that would hinder freedom, anything that would hinder intimacy, anything that would hinder the love of God, anything that would hinder expression. I felt when we were shouting earlier, I was so glad that my mom eventually got all of us to just shout because when, when the shouts were just spontaneously happening, I heard the Lord say, the ones who aren't shouting, tell them that on the other side of their shout is their breakthrough. And it's like, so sometimes we're I'm not really a shouty person. Well, it's funny because probably on the other side of your shout is your breakthrough. Because what happens is when you shout, you get over yourself. <laughs> Are you with me? <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful and you know I, I love it I said it last week we, we're we got to just preach the gospel let it offend our minds so that our, our hearts and our spirit can be free that we can walk in Jesus <clears throat> religion kills it does it suffocates it kills you know something that the Lord's been saying the last little while which touched my heart and just freed me even more the grace of God just constantly sets you free see here's the thing about religion religion will keep telling you to come and die Grace says you already have. 
So we've got to be real careful in the church because we know that Jesus said, if any man would follow me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me, right? So we know there's this denying of yourself every day, but that denying of yourself is actually just being aware of the fact that he already did something. See, if you have to keep coming and dying, what you're saying is I need Jesus to die every day so that I can die with him. But he did die. And grace says you died with him. And so when you step into faith, you're just stepping into what's already yours. So we have to be careful because sometimes we get stuck and we go like, man, this area of my life, I just haven't died here yet. No, you did. You're just playing puppets with a dead corpse. <laughs> and it's getting a little stinky and it's probably time to leave it in the grave. Are you with me? So religion wants to suffocate you. Religion wants to, to hold you back. And um, that's why I say I just the more I encounter the Lord, the more uncomfortable I am because the more I, I can't help myself. Um, you just start to feel this like, explosion happening inside of you. I actually wrote a song once and the chorus goes, he is heaven exploding in me. And it came from an encounter where I actually felt like I was losing control. <laughs> I was like, I, something's going to happen. Yeah, I, I, I'm just going to lose. I'm going to actually explode because when you just start to feel the tangible presence of God inside of you, it's like, Lord, I was made for this. And I think what, what's been on my heart the last little while is just realizing um, that with so much knowledge and, and this intellectual uh, perspective to the gospel, what we have is a lot of people sitting in the church who don't have an experience of the revelation of Jesus, who don't have an experience, an encounter, who haven't been filled and touched by the actual substance of who he is, but they've been in a room, they've learned language, they've learned the knowledge. Let me say it like this, freedom is encountered, but it's lived. And I, I just felt in my heart this morning, I'm like, there's a lot of people that maybe even have had an encounter in a room where freedom is, something's happening and, and they experience freedom in the room, but then they never stay in that place because they, they're just looking for the next encounter with freedom instead of learning to live free. And it's the grace of God that trains you in that. Are you with me? It's the grace of God that trains you in freedom. We'll just sit on that one for a little bit. So you can come to a service like Friday night and experience and encounter freedom, right? Which so many of us did, where it just, it breaks out and suddenly something hits you or you feel the presence and power of God and, and you can feel, I, I've, t I've entered into something. Something has, has broken off of me and now I've, I've experienced something. I go, wow, freedom. And then Saturday morning comes, Saturday afternoon comes, or maybe you experience something on Sunday, then Monday morning comes, life gets loud quickly. Now what? Because freedom is encountered. It starts with an encounter, but it's lived. And I think like, what the Lord's been doing these last couple of weeks as we've been unpacking grace is that He's teaching the church how to live free. You know something that's been on my heart this morning, and the Lord kept saying it in the worship to me, He said, um, you know, we have this understanding that freedom is when I've been given the ability to do whatever I want to do. That's how we understand freedom. It's like no, I, that, that nothing restrains me, nothing controls me. It's why the church is afraid of this word submission. No, I'm free. No, you're not free. You're a slave to selfishness. True freedom is actually submission to the leadership of Jesus. See, if, if freedom's a person, if freedom is Jesus, there's only one way to be free. It's to be His. Because if you're not his, you're a slave to yourself. I love that the enemy can never be your master. He can't. He's not strong enough.
So what does he do? What he throws at you is, is a whole bunch of information and lies and deceit to make you think that you actually can do this, that you actually, I am free, I can do this, I'm self-sufficient, self-righteousness, the grind, success. And it's funny because the more that we talk about those things and the more we're trying to build that, the less free we are. And the Lord's just standing there going, I am freedom. When you come to, when you come to Jesus, you find true rest. Why? Because he's freedom. Everything breaks off and you take everything that he is and now you can rest in him, his perfect leadership over your life. That's where you want to be. <clears throat> you know, there's a, there's a, a documentary about a family that... Um, servant in Myanmar and Burma and then they end up doing some stuff in uh, I think it's Iraq at the time and uh, and it's intense it's wild these people raise their kids in war zones and are just loving people serving people and you watch this documentary and suddenly they're interviewing the wife and she says you know we had we had settled in Burma we had raised our kids we had you know seen God do these amazing things and I kind of felt like I was just starting to settle and the next thing my husband says we're going to Iraq for a couple of months to go and you know in a deep war zone we're going to go and serve and love because God told us to and she said all I wanted to do was say no can we just get settled and comfortable we've just found a little bit of comfort now after after 20 years of serving in war zones, why do we have to now again go into another war zone? And then she heard the Lord speak to her heart and the Lord said, when you're in union with your husband and obedience to me, you're in the perfect will of the Lord. And suddenly she was like, that's the safest place to be. Like your mind wants to say, no, it's safer to not go. It's safer to, to just to stay here in the, in the, where I know it, everything. But actually the safest place to be is in him. Why? Because he's freedom. You stay free when you stay yielded. You stay free when you stay obedient. You stay free when you stay following Him. And it's grace that keeps you there. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says this. It says, For freedom Christ has set us free, so stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now, we know that Galatians, what Paul's hitting is law and grace. And he's saying, hey, why are you going back under legalism? Why are you going back under self-righteousness, your own attempt? Stay in the grace of God because that's where freedom reigns, right? So he says this, and there's another scripture in verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. How is serving one another the expression or the fruit of freedom? Maybe we need to get a fresh perspective of freedom. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. In other words, being truly free is not a group of people that know, hey, grace has saved me, so it doesn't matter what I do. I can just do anything and, and it's fine. That's not freedom. That's slavery. <laughs> freedom is actually, I have been set free. I'm found in Christ. No matter what, I know that I'm saved, that I'm in Him. But now that I'm under His leadership, I'm free to follow Him. I'm finally free to make the decision for the first time in my own heart to say yes to Jesus. Because before that, it didn't matter how hard you tried to say yes, you, you were under bondage, you were under sin. Jesus sets us free and now says, come into me, come into who I am, receive my nature, and now you can actually walk in that. So it's why it's interesting that in, um, in Colossians 3 and in Ephesians 4, it talks about putting off the old self and putting on the, the nature of Christ, the new nature that's being renewed in the knowledge of Him. 
So it's beautiful. It's not trying to be free. It's not achieving freedom. It's putting on what he's given you and walking in it and believing it. Do you get what I'm saying? I'm just refreshing some of the stuff we've been going after the last couple of weeks. And then if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we'll read from verse 12. It says this, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Bold people are people who have hope. It's not a, this is what I love about, um, just, bold people are people who've been with Jesus. Because people who've been with Jesus have hope. And when they have hope, they're bold. And so it's not, it's not extroverts, it's not people trying to prove something, it's not people who are just, uh, you know, out there to prove a point. These are people who have hope. They're very bold, but let's carry on here. It says, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. I was talking about Moses would go in to the, the tabernacle, he would come out, he'd cover his face, uh, or he'd be in the mountain with the Lord, he'd come down, cover his face, because the glory of the Lord was radiating from his face. This is under the old covenant. Okay, this is not what we have now. This is less than that. But his face would shine with the glory of God because he'd been with him. And he had put a veil because the glory would fade on his face. It wouldn't stay. And so he's saying here, we're not like Moses. We don't veil the face-to-face experience that we have with Jesus, right? We don't veil it because it's not fading. It's growing from glory to glory, right? So he says this, but their minds were hardened for to this day when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. It is absolutely impossible to host the presence of the Lord and not be free. See, God doesn't come, and although I, I love that we talk about how, you know, there's areas in our life we've got to give to the Lord and, and yield to the Lord, I, I get that to a certain extent. But I also believe that I, I, I'm not sure it's possible to house and host the glory of the Lord and dictate to Him which room He gets. Right? Because the Holy Spirit's an all-consuming fire. I don't think he uh, can come in and, and go, well, I'll just be a little bit of a fire for you today. See, we have this understanding that he's a gentleman because he doesn't force anything. And I, I know all those teachings, I get it. And he's like a dove. He's not a dove. He can be like a dove because he's sensitive. But the reality is he is an all-consuming fire. And so I don't dictate to him how he operates. He, he is God and he does what God does. And my, my life is, is one that's, uh, my desire for my life is to be yielded to him that God can be God in my life. And so sometimes there are areas in your life where he illuminates and goes, hey, I'm Lord there. Stop resisting. Stop fighting my lordship in your life, right? But it's not that he's not Lord there. I just want to make that clear. It's not like because I didn't, because I feel like I didn't give you that room, you don't have it yet. No, he has it. He's Lord. <laughs> he didn't die for some of your life. He died for your whole life, right? And so when you, when you believe and you give your life to him, you're his. And he's teaching you lordship. He's teaching you submission. 
And I believe submission is the key to freedom. It makes no sense in your mind, but it's the, it's the truth. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Submit, and in your submission to the Lord, you've resisted the devil, and he has to flee. Why? Because in your submission to him, you're free. Re resisting the devil is not something that you try to do. It's what happens when you submit. Are you with me? You are not called to take the devil on, head on, let's fight. He's too weak anyway. See, what happens is we think we've got to do that, so we take him on, and then we don't realize by doing that we're giving him authority because we gave him our gaze. When my, when my gaze, the, the perspective of my life is fixed on Jesus, I'm in submission to his leadership. By doing that, I am resisting the devil. I'm resisting the temptation to look at him. I'm resisting the temptation to give him any attention in my life. There's a lot of people today, and I, I believe that there's mass deliverance happening, and we, we saw some of it on Friday, and, and God's doing that. But I also believe there's a lot of people that think they need deliverance, and they just need faith. <laughs> a lot of people that feel like, man, I got, to, I got stuff in me. I got to get it out. No, what you need to do is believe. Right believing equals right living, not right living to get to faith. <laughs> you don't have to get it right so that you can believe. You believe and then God makes you righteous. Are you with me? So we see this and he says here, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. So now Moses in the old covenant gets to behold the glory of the Lord. His face is shining. It's radiant with the glory, but it's fading because he can't stay there. Do you catch what I'm saying? Now we have been given the Holy Spirit. He's inside of us. We still don't understand this. It's the treasure of His presence. When we talk about the presence, I want to make this very clear. When we talk about God's presence on the earth, we are talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about. Because otherwise we can get lost in this presence talk. Like presence, it's this like swirly, mystical place that we come into and things kind of happen. And, and then we get these weird this weird pseudo-intimacy language that really bothers me. I just want to touch on that real quick. It really bothers me, the, the pseudo-fake intimacy language where we, we have his name on our lips, but evil and deceit in our hearts. It bothers me and it bothers God. He's holy. He's beautiful. His name is, is, is perfect. So when we, when we host the presence of the Lord, we're talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about who He is. And so I, I have to remind my own soul and my own life and go, He's a person and He likes certain things and He doesn't like certain things. So when we talk about His presence, it's not something that we conjure up. We don't bring the glory. We don't stir it up and manufacture something that, oh, now we can feel, well, hey, well done, worship team, you brought it. Ooh, we've got to be so careful of the, these things because the reality is our, our, our role, our responsibility as the church is to yield. It's, it's beautiful that the spirit and the bride will say, come. That's what they say, come. So it's, it's, it's incredible that our Holy Spirit is, is aligning our hearts with His just to cry out that simple thing, come, Lord. Right? So our job is to be in, in unity with the Holy Spirit and just ministering to Jesus and welcoming him to do whatever he wants to do and then he does the rest and so when it comes to even time with the Lord I'm realizing 
with intimacy and, and, and the, the people of God, there's so many people that are living off of the residue of an encounter they've had. They're living off of, of the, rem the remainders of Friday night or the remainders of a Sunday morning. And on a Wednesday, they're clinging to something because they don't know how to access time and, and space with God today, intimacy with Him today, freedom in Him today, walking in Him today. It's why social media has become probably the primary expression of intimacy nowadays. Your intimacy with the Lord, everybody needs to know about it. You don't do that with your wife. And what's scary is now what you've got is people posting intimacy all over social media, but the fruit of their life says otherwise. So I said you can have, I don't know how this is possible, but it is. You can have his name on your lips and deceit in your heart. And you say, well, how is that possible? Well, I've been just studying and looking at Paul. And when Paul writes to Timothy, he, he says something very scary. Let me take you there very quick. I'm just, if you go to 2 Timothy, chapter 3, the title in my Bible is, is Godlessness in the Last Days. And you go, yes, godlessness in the last days. You know, we're going to see it all over the earth. What's very scary is I just want us to know that he's addressing the church. rocks me listen to what he says but understand this that in the last days there will come times of difficulty anyone had a difficult time recently no cool <laughs> liars i'm joking <laughs> for people will be lovers of self just read this in the context he's talking to the church lovers of self lovers of money proud arrogant abusive disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. So I was just wrestling with this. I was going, Lord, this is a little scary because what you're saying is, hey, in the last days it's going to get a little difficult because you're going to start to see this stuff in the church. And Paul's not saying it as a doom and gloom, we're without hope. He's saying, hey, this is the stuff that we've got to really guard our hearts from. Because he actually goes on to say, have nothing to do with those people. But he says this, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. So if he was talking about the world, why would they have the appearance of godliness? So we know he's, he's, he's addressing the church. He's addressing where the, the nonsense and the corruption and the pollution of the gospels crept into the church. And this is what it begins to produce. And so my heart goes, Lord, we want to be a people of your presence. Far be it from us that we ever see this. Because this is the, the counterfeit. But the true bride of Christ, she's going to be radiant and beautiful. She's the one that Jesus is preparing. She's the one who walks in humility and honor. She's the one who looks like Christ because she's in grace and in freedom, not trying to achieve it by herself. She's the one who will pay any price to see the kingdom of God established on the earth. She's the one who will say yes to every sphere of society to bring the love of God and the gospel. She's the one who stops on the side of the street for the homeless person just to love them and tell them that they're known and, and known by God, loved by God. She's the one who will sell their house and plant churches on the other side of the planet in countries you never ever dreamt of or thought of. She's the one who gets to church early to sweep floors, stack chairs, and love the bride. That's the church Jesus is preparing. But it's really important to note that, hey, hold on, we've got to make sure we guard our hearts from these things. So, Lord, I don't ever want to be somebody walking in the appearance of godliness, 
but denying its power. Meaning the appearance of godliness. You would look at my life and what you hear out of my mouth and what you kind of see me put on is godliness. You think that that, that actually, yeah, that, that's probably someone who really knows the Lord. But what's lacking in their life is power. And, and it starts, you see, you go, oh, well, what is that? Signs and wonders. No, the power of the gospel transforms your life from the inside out. Is that person like that all the time? Because for me, what I love, the Lord always is challenging my heart and going, actually, where intimacy is cultivated is where nobody's looking, nobody's watching, nobody's liking. That's where it's cultivated. It's cu- and, and intimate people, people who are truly intimate with God, don't have to say much. I'm actually learning when you, when you travel around, you go into the conferences, look for the ones who are just quietly with Him. And then wait until they speak and watch what comes out. Because they're hearing, they're listening, they're receiving. So my heart is always, Lord, I want to be postured in that place to be hearing and listening and receiving. To be slow to speak, quick to listen, so that when I do speak, when I do preach the gospel, when we do begin to release it, it's incredible because now it's God. It's His power. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, just carrying on, it says this, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we don't lose hope or heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure In other words, that revelation of the glory of God in the face of Christ, it's a treasure. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. When I read this, I go, Connor, don't say you're tired. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh. <laughs> Why? Well, let me just explain this to you. Why? I, I, when you study Paul's life, I go, what, what is wrong with this man? <laughs> that he just doesn't stop. He just keeps going, and he keeps going, and then he gets beaten and stoned, and he gets up, and he walks back in. He's rejected, he's accused, he's arrested multiple times. My dad always makes a joke. He says, you know, if you go into a city and he phones the city up, phones the prison and says, hey, book me room number 12, I'll be there in about six hours. Because he just, I mean, it says Holy Spirit would just witness to him that, hey, uh, beatings and imprisonment await you. And, and, then, and then he writes, he writes Philippians from like the worst cell in a, in a jail. And he's, he's talking about rejoice always. And so there's this joy in Paul, and he's, he's just, and I'm going like, if anyone could put their hand up and go, I'm actually, I'm pretty tired. <laughs> I, think, I think I need to maybe just not, not gather with the saints this weekend, I need to sleep in. I was at the Friday gathering, so I can take Sunday off. 
And you go, oh, dude, don't, don't, you're putting pressure on people. I'm not putting pressure. I'm just saying there's a difference. Can you, can you see in the grace of God, grace is not wishy-washy, floppy. Grace is this. This is what grace does to a life. When the grace of God touches a life, it makes you wild. It makes you fierce. It makes you, it's the kind of person who's like, I'm afflicted in every way, but not crushed. I mean, who talks like this? Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in my body. Now listen to what he says. He carries on. He goes, For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. In, in Philippians, he's like, I'm kind of stuck between the two. I'm, I want to just go be with Jesus, but I know I need to stay here for you. Can you imagine living like this? Can you imagine this, this kind of thinking? My heart is, I want to just be with Christ, but I know I need to stay here for you, and, and I'm, I know that's what the Lord wants right now. And then he says, and if I live in the flesh, it'll be fruitful labor. In other words, if I'm here and I'm, giving, I'm going to give myself to the Lord, and what you're going to see is the fruit of the kingdom. So there's this, this thing that's happening right now. It's called the spirit of tiredness. Because I started to feel tired, like you all feel tired. Life gets hectic, the weeks get hectic, and you're busy and all that kind of stuff. And I, I'm starting to really hate that word, busy. And then I thought, oh, yeah, business, busy, busyness. Oh, interesting. So I look at bu busy, and I go, okay, what is busy? And then I, I said, okay, Lord, I'm so busy. We're so busy. Our life is so busy. I'm, I'm st <laughs> What's that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is a conviction or what? Okay. <laughs> I'm just teasing. <clears throat> yeah. Yes, yeah. He was, oh, I was still spelling the business part out. Okay, yeah. No, th so this is, this is the thing. You're busy, 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 and you look at your life and you go, I'm just so busy. And then uh, I said to our team in the week, I said, just stop and look at how many hours in the day are you actually busy? I'd encourage you to do that. Just like take a pause, have a look at your day and go, how many hours am I actually busy where I'm, I'm occupied with something that I cannot even think about anything else? I just have to, because that's what busy is. And then I realized, I'm like, wow, actually when I ask the question, you talk to different people, it's like, no, your mind is busy. <clears throat> There's so much going on in your head Busy, 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 and so many things to think about and remember. And so it gets so loud and chaotic and crazy that even when you have time to rest or time to be with the Lord or time to connect with family, you're so busy in your head that you're exhausted. And then I'm like, okay, that's not normal busy. That's a spirit of busy. That's a spirit of tiredness. That's something that, that's coming to actually weigh you down. That's something that's coming to restrict you, hold you back. And then I go, as the church, like you can see that on the world, you know. <laughs> when you're like talking to somebody, it's, oh, it's such a busy weekend and I just we didn't have a moment to think. And then you overhear them talking to somebody else like, no, last night we just took some time off and we watched a movie together. And then you're like, sure. Because it is, it's busy here. How are you doing? Ask anyone in Joburg right now, how are you doing? Busy, but, oh, good, busy, busy. <clears throat> How's your week? Busy, busy. So I hear this stuff, I go, okay, Lord, and I, this has come out of my own mouth. I'm not, you know, I'm just sharing my heart here. So I go, okay, Lord, hold on. 
I've got to be careful, like I said last week, I'm not so busy, but I'm actually just living the, the life like other um, unbelievers and worldly people. I'm so busy that I look like them. I'm so busy that I, I've stopped carrying the answers and the solutions because of the Holy Spirit inside of me. I'm so busy that I don't even have time to treasure the presence of the Lord. It's like, no, Lord, I wasn't created that way. I wasn't designed for that. See, the blessing of the Lord, the provision of the Lord is not tied to what you do. It's tied to who you are. And that's always going to be the lie of the enemy. Do more to get more. But that's not in the, in the kingdom. The best part about grace is you get what you don't deserve. That's the best part about it. In fact, because I nailed you, I'll now encourage you, okay? We were talking and, and Jess was, he was saying to me, he said, you know, I actually, he was saying I had to be diligent and say, hey, no, when it gets to 5, 5.30, I'm stopping. In the corporate world, busy, busy, stuff going, people need him, attention all the time. No, 5.30, I'm done. Laptop closed. Thank you, every, everybody. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. And, and what, what, you, what your brain tells you, what the enemy lies to you is that that's, you're not as efficient. So you could be doing more. If you do more, you'll get more. And the reality is all you do is in three weeks later, you're exhausted and you can't do anything. You need a holiday or a mental health break. <laughs> but the reality is when he started to do that, what you actually see is fruitfulness because now it's supernatural. Now you're in him. That's the Christian. Where in a company of over 700 people, they've started a prayer room. Where Wednesdays and Fridays, 20-something people meet together and pray, and they're praying for, the, for their business sphere to be touched by the Lord. I love that. That's, that's just an introduction to who we are and what we're called to carry. So when we carry the presence of the Lord, we're not just talking about as a church on a Sunday, we want to make sure that we have great times on a Sunday morning. No, my life is a, is a dwelling place to carry His presence everywhere that I go. Does that make sense? So when you read this, I just go, wow, Lord. If I live like this, if I'm so given, if I know I'm just a, I'm just a jar of clay, I'm just a vessel, but this treasure of the revelation of Jesus, the presence of the Holy Spirit is in me. I get the great privilege of, of walking with Him every day by faith because Monday morning when you wake up, you're not shaking like you were on Friday. Most times, sometimes. So what happens then when you wake up and it's like, man, I actually just, well, I just don't feel great. Well, it's a good thing that the gospel is not about how you feel. It's just about truth. And so you just come into agreement. You speak to your soul. You speak to your body. You put those things in place in your life so that you can walk faithfully in the grace of God. And you just say thank you. When you don't feel it, you say thank you. Verse 15, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving. That grace expands to more and more people, it will increase thanksgiving. That's what grace does. It increases gratitude. People who are walking in grace are thankful because you're thanking Him for what He's given you and you're walking in that. You're in a receptive place. And it says this, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. I just want to remember you that the... the remember you. I just want to remind you. <laughs> uh, it's because I'm translating from Afrikaans in my head now. So... <clears throat> One day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Paul is being hunted. They want to kill him. 
He's thrown in prison everywhere. They, he's hated. <laughs> and, and, and he's experiencing hardship on a whole different level. And he's going, this light momentary affliction. <laughs> See, m- my heart today is, is, is to say, the gospel's so real to us and, and often vanished on Friday. There's a price that's paid when we carry the presence of the Lord. And so what we do is we want to look at different people that have paid a price, and then we want what they have, but we don't want to pay the price. And, then, and it's all under this guise of, but I'm free. I don't have to pay a price. Well, I just, it's funny that when the grace of God hits a life, it looks like this. Somebody who is, is given himself fully, he will pay any price to see the dream of God established in him and through him and on the earth. And as he's doing this, he's saying, this light momentary affliction, whatever comes against me, the hardships and the difficulties, and instead of saying I'm busy and I'm tired, he's going, this light momentary affliction is actually preparing for me. You see the difference? So in my heart, I'm saying, Lord, I want to be like that. I want to be a carrier of your presence where I'm fully found, satisfied, and fulfilled in you. Every single day, walking in the fullness of your grace, walking in everything that you've given me, being thankful for what's in Christ that's now in me so that I don't look like the world, I look like him in the midst of the world and the craziness and the chaos. Do you get what I'm saying? As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. God's heart for His church is actually that we would live that way. That we live from the unseen realm into the seen. We live from the spirit realm into the natural realm. We live from the supernatural realm into the natural. Not the other way around. Sometimes the church is living in the natural realm, reaching for the supernatural realm, hoping that something will come and help my current situation, rather than being thankful for who I am in Him, seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. And because of that, I'm a co-heir of Christ. I have access to the fullness of heaven, and I can walk in that every single day. And it's a, it's a, the beautiful thing is, and I'm, I'm learning this more and more, it's a, it's a privilege that you wake up and choose that. It's a joy. There's a, like the fact that you have access to that is astounding. <laughs> I can wake up and go, Lord, thank you that I'm in you. I'm in you. That everything that made me who I was outside of you is finished, buried, done. And I can receive the nature of Jesus that's literally going from glory to glory while I'm here on the earth. I'm, I'm walking in more and more of who you are. And so when I'm thankful and I'm positioned in that place, I can walk in power and authority. And it goes into chapter 5. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. See this language? I'm living for something that's just not this realm. It's eternal. For in this tent, this body, we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked, for while we are still in this tent we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Are you hearing this language? It's like, my heart is just so given to you, Lord. It's like my, I'm groaning for the day that I can put off this fleshly body completely and just be fully in that place with you. But while I'm here on the earth, Paul says in Philippians, it'll be fruitful labor for me. That's what grace does to your heart. You know, we preach grace radically and, and fully and, and, 
that, you know, there's nothing that can separate you from him. And then people go, oh, it's wishy-washy, and what's the fruit? And I'm going, the fruit is someone like Paul. The fruit of someone who receives that kind of good news is someone who goes, because of this good news, I can give my life radically to Jesus. You know, the church is not supposed to be a group of people that come and sit in a room and look at one or two individuals and go, wow, look at that radical life. You don't, you, God's not called you to live your Christian life through somebody else. That's not the whole point of church. Church is not that, hey, I'm so glad I go to a church that goes to the nations. Are you with me? And at the same time, the other side of that is then people, when they come under that legalistic thing again, it's like, well, sign me up. I'm going to the next mission trip. I'm like, well, did God say? Are you with me? It's not, I'm, not, I'm not saying, that's not a, the nations thing. It's not a statement to say how you all should just get off your backsides and go to the nations. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying the church is a people that come together that are defined by the voice of God, listening to him, hearing him, walking in step with him. Because when he says to you, go down to the petrol station and you see a, a woman sitting in her car crying and she's got nothing and the Lord speaks to you and you begin to minister to her, that's as powerful as getting on a plane to Afghanistan. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? It's obedience to the Lord. It's flowing with Him. Why? Because grace has liberated me to obey Him. For the first time in my life, I can say yes. I love the gospel, man. The Lord is, is so beautiful in how he ministers to his children because he, no good father wants their kids to strain and strive to prove themselves to their dad. Fathers are not like that. And it's why when you read John 15, the most fruitful place that we can be in is when we're in him, when we're constantly receiving. So it's like for some of us saying, okay, Lord, when I look at my life, I just I want to make sure that I'm hearing the information and the knowledge of your goodness, but I want to enter into the living experience because I'm a living letter, according to Paul. He writes, we're living letters. So God, he's not wanting me to, to experience something externally that's over there and I get to look at it and say, wow, that's great. No, he wants me to become something. And that's what he's doing in my heart. And that's what freedom does. It's way more than just that moment where you first taste and see. It's lived and experienced daily. And I know that the, the, the time is here and is coming and it will increase with the tangible presence and glory of the Lord on the church. It's going to just get so powerful and so weighty that everything that's not in him, every foreign thing, every foreign spirit, whatever it is, will do one of three things, like I've always said. We see it in the book of Acts. They'll either yield and be transformed by the glory of the Lord, or they'll run for the hills, or they'll die. And you're like, what? Well, that's what you'll see in the book of Acts. It's the glory of the Lord. I mean, how many of you have had that where you've had friends and it's like when they get to that place where God's now touching them, the hand of the Lord's on their life, and if they don't yield, they run. <laughs> and you're just like, you don't see them again, you know. 
It's because they didn't know how to deal with conviction because they thought that conviction meant condemnation. When we preach the gospel in fullness, conviction actually leads to transformation because it's the grace of God that changes us. So really, all I want to share and encourage us with this morning is that when we experience and encounter freedom, when the anointing comes and we, we experience the presence of God, it's not just a good service. It's not just a nice moment. The Lord wants us to live there. And, and you have a desire in your heart to live there. You know, the reason why people walk in counterfeit or the fake or the, the one that annoys me, the reason why we sometimes find ourselves in that place is actually because we sincerely want to live there. But we haven't positioned ourselves in grace. We're trying to do it ourselves. And when you're trying to do it yourself, you strain and you strain and you strain. It becomes legalistic and now you've got to prove something and you have to keep putting something out there to prove that you're in that place. You don't have to do that. You're a son. You're a daughter. Receive. Let him touch your heart. Let him transform you from the inside out and then watch. Watch what he does.